the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So I want you to know, loved ones, this morning, never think that the suffering or the ordeal or the trial we face in life are exclusively allowed by God simply to teach us a lesson, simply to uh, fix our character. All of that's true. But there's one very important thing that we cannot miss. We cannot lose sight of the fact that when circumstances happens to us that we don't like, it's not just for us, but it's also for other people. Our, be careful how you respond to problems. Amen? As Christians, okay? I'm speaking to, to followers of Jesus. Let's be careful how we respond to the problems in life because that's not just for us to deal with. It's not just been given to us to go through this so that we can be taught a lesson or we can be made stronger. All of that's true. But God also wants to use your circumstance. What happened to Paul? You know, his imprisonment, you know, if you look at that, you know, how, how can a guy who is suffering in prison uh, actually be helpful to anybody else? And, and Paul says, well, you know what? Look at me. I'm in prison. But now because of how I responded to my problem, Many became encouraged and they became even more bold in proclaiming this good news. You know, when we get in trouble, the very first trick that the devil plays on us is for us to focus on ourselves. Isn't that right? When we are in trouble, I'm the only one going through this. It's just me. Everyone else doesn't have this problem. That's the devil's trick. You know, I mean, he's, he's an old age trick. He uses that all the time. The focus is not only on the problem. The focus is on us. Okay? But a gospel-centered mind says, yes, I'm in this situation. Yes, I'm in, in this particular predicament. But I not only believe that God is going to validate his word, this can be used as a voice to encourage other people, to encourage other people to make a stand. He intends for other believers to hear his voice through someone else's struggles. And we find it hard to believe, but that's true. We find courage because other people have courage to face it. And it becomes a testimony. Our struggle becomes a testimony in our life. That even though struggles and ordeals come, those are God's voice. He's telling us something to strengthen our conviction. I don't know why. God does it. All I know is that it is consistent through the Bible. It is consistent through the Bible. There could never be no need for Noah to build an ark if, was, if there wasn't going to be a flood. You think about that for a moment. There would never be any kind of need for God to promise the nation of Israel a promised land if there weren't any going to be any slavery. There would be no need for Joshua and the Israelites to blow the trumpet if there are no walls in Jericho, there would have been no need for a tomb if Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. The point of the matter is, 
our ordeals gives courage not only to ourselves, courage of conviction to ourselves, but to everyone who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. God's voice is heard by those who are convicted, convinced that His voice is present in their situation. So remember, when you, are, you get in trouble, when you are in trouble, watch how you respond. It's a way for God to testify through you about His power. Hebrews 13, 5-6 says, For He Himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In Christ, as we all know, there is no condemnation. Amen? Can we just say amen to that one? There is no condemnation in Christ. That thing that you are going through right now is not God saying you being condemned. If you're a child of God, that circumstances, that ordeal you're going through is God saying to you, be bold in your faith, be bold in your trust. I'm not out to get you. I'm here to strengthen your conviction so you can strengthen others because you're going to become my voice. You know what Jesus said to Peter just before he went up to heaven? Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know, I love you. Ask him the second time. Peter, do you, do you love me? Jesus said, uh, Peter said, yes, I love you. And then the third time, Peter got offended. You know, why, why you ask me too many questions about whether I love you or not? In all three occasions, Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep, encourage my flock. Your situation will be my voice to other people. And Peter looked at Jesus and says, well, what about him? Pointing to John, the other disciple that the Bible says Jesus loved. And, and uh, Jesus says, what? does it matter to you what I do to him if I let him live forever? As for you, you do what I tell you. You're going to be my voice in your own way, in my unique way of calling you. And that's why we have the, the, the propagation of the gospel in the whole world because God uses our situation, our circumstances as his voice. Now there's a third thing that a gospel-centered mind knows and understands, and that is God will not void His commitment to the cross of Christ. God will not void His commitment to the cross of Christ. It is true that uh, it is true that, that some preach Christ, Paul writes, out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Now, Paul, St. Paul was a Jew who is a Roman citizen, who was a Roman citizen, and yet he finds himself imprisoned by Jews in a Roman jail. He's in trouble with the Jews, and he was in trouble with the Gentiles. And you think that's hard enough, just put yourself in his place. He was a Jew. 
being, you know, being imprisoned by his fellow Jews, and he was being punished in a, in a Roman prison. And, he, and you think that would be enough to drive anybody crazy, can mess up your mind. That, that's, not his own, that's not his only problem. He clearly writes, not only am I being imprisoned by Jews and by the Romans, a lot of Christians are causing me a lot of trouble as well. Apparently what was happening was uh, a lot of people are like Paul, they were preaching the gospel. But some of them are preaching the gospel for their own selfish ambition, you know. Uh, they didn't really care. They don't do it out of love. They do it out of their own selfish ambition. And they hated Paul. They, they looked at him as a rival. So, you know, they, they're doing it for competition. And so, Paul was saying, I'm already being imprisoned by our own people. I'm, I'm, I'm being persecuted by the Gentiles. And now I'm being persecuted even inside the church because some of you wanted to cause trouble for me. But his mind is centered not on those people, not on anybody else. His mind was centered on God's commitment to offer salvation to everyone and everyone through the cross of Jesus. To Paul, the messengers are secondary. The primary thing is the message. The message. And it's still happening. You know, it broke my heart these last two years when very, very prominent Christian leaders fell. I mean, they were, I couldn't sleep for a couple of days when a, a big-time, um, big very influential apologist, worldwide apologist, was found to be uh, abusing young women throughout his, his career as an apologist, one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. I couldn't sleep for several nights. And not too long before that, uh, a big prominent preacher from Chicago with a worldwide ministry was uh, removed from his church because of a gambling problem or a pride problem or something like that. And you know, it breaks my heart because, it, 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 you know, I looked up to these people. I'm not an isolated person. I, I have role models. I, I listen to pastors all the time, you know, and we, we often, you know, gain a lot of courage and strength. And when something like that happens, you know, it just kind of crushes me. It crushes me because, you know, now the gospel is going to be even more difficult to proclaim to people, and that's when I make the mistake. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the cross of Jesus. It's not in the messenger, not this messenger, not everybody else. Paul says, I don't care what anybody's motives are. What I like is the fact that we preach the cross of Christ because it's the only thing that can save humanity. And because of that, I rejoice. That should be our mindset. That's a gospel-centered mindset. Forget this person. Look at the, the word of Christ. Look at the cross. That's where we get saved. There's nothing new. People fail. Jesus never fails. Churches fail, but the cross will never lose its power. We sing about it. We know about it. And that's true then. It's true now. It'll be true forever. I'm kind of ashamed to, sh to share this. But I'm going to share this anyway. I used to attend pastoral gatherings among pastors around here in our area. And it's inevitable. Every time, you know, you gather with pastors, every time we sit on the table, 
Every time you sit down, inevitably, the conversation will end up revolving into how many people attending your church. Never fails. I sat down on one of these um, pastor's breakfast or, or something, and I was sitting on the table with a bunch of other pastors, and this guy struck a, struck a conversation with me, and we were talking, and inevitably he ended up, so how many, how many are you running in your church? How many people attending your church? So without hesitation, I told him, I have 3,000 people. <laughs> it shocked him. And the, peop- the other pastors around the table all of a sudden looked at me. 3,000 people. Here's what one of them says. How come I never heard of you? That's true. So I told the guy, oh, that's simple. Because we have, we have a small church. On a good Sunday, we average about 60 people. There are 52 Sundays in a year. So I multiplied 60 by 52. I get 3,120 people in my church for the year. I'm ashamed to say it, but these guys have got big churches, large churches. It's not the size of the church. It's the power of the cross. What we preach here is what the saints preach for over 2,000 years. The same message, the same power. It never loses its power. God is committed to make sure that the power of the cross is front and center in everything that we do. It doesn't matter how big or how small the local church is. What matters is that God is proclaimed through the cross of Christ. The gospel is rather is proclaimed through the cross of Christ. Jesus saves through his meritorious substitutionary work on the cross. God will not void his commitment in spite of our motives. I'm not against strategies to grow a ministry as long as we proclaim the cross of Jesus. That's the purpose of why we preach. That's the purpose of why we're on the radio. Do you think any, any, any other invest, we have any other investment to proclaim this except to proclaim the cross of Christ? You know why that's important? Because it is the only way for people to be saved and go to heaven. There's no other message. There's no other truth more compelling than us saying, look at the cross of Jesus, that's your ticket to heaven. When you die, you're not going to enter heaven without going through the cross. It just would not happen. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can find all kinds of ways to proclaim this gospel. There's only one way to God, and that is through Christ and His cross. I went, my wife and I went to a church one time. This was back in the late, a, a, late 90s when the big seeker-sensitive movement was really on fire, you know. And we noticed that there was no cross in the church. So out of curiosity, you know, you know one of the ushers were over there, struck a conversation. He said, hey, you know what, where's the cross? You know what the guy told me? He says, well, you know, we don't want to put the cross in the church because it's kind of a divisive thing. We want to attract people to come to church. And if we put up a cross there, then we, you know, we lose the opportunity to preach to other people. We want to reach them, not repel them. And you know, the cross you know, automatically you know, gives, us, gives us away that, oh, you know, this is a Christian place. And you know, we're trying to come. I said to myself, what is this? 
Without the cross, there's no Christianity. Because without the cross, there will be no death for Jesus. And if there's no death for Jesus, there will be no burial. And if there's no burial, there will be no resurrection. The cross is at the center of what we believe. The cross will restore broken relationships in the homes. The cross will restore all of the iniquities and all of the pain and all of the, the struggles that we, we face in life. It's not some psychological mumbo-jumbo therapeutic session here this morning. If you don't go through the cross, you're going to drown in your sin. I'm going to drown in my sin. It is the cross that will clear the way for us to live this life. We're not competing with other religions or competing with other Christian denominations. We are contending for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. And that's God's business and it's our business. We the cross of Jesus. Even in our worship singing, we proclaim the cross of Jesus. Amen? Even when we sing, you know, you want to make the preacher's life easy? Worship team, when you sing, sing about Jesus. Mention the name of Jesus. Mention the cross. There's no shame in mentioning the name of Jesus. We're not repelling people. We are telling people that that's the only name that matters. His name is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It includes Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, agnostics, pagans, Wiccans, witches, warlocks, everybody will bow to Jesus. Eventually, everybody. So if you don't want to bow right now, just wait. You will bow to Him one day because His name is above every name. That's what it's about. That's the gospel mindset. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. John says this, 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe any and every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. Never accept any message that doesn't recognize the cross of Christ. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come. I will send the Holy Spirit. And he will testify about me. So how do you know you're hearing the truth? It talks about Jesus. That's it. That's not to do with great preaching. There's no such thing as great preaching. We have a great God and a great message. Anybody can proclaim it. We don't have to worry about anything else. His name is above every name. And one final thought. A gospel-centered mind recognizes that the gospel will be victorious at all costs. Okay, and that's just a, a piggyback to the last point. Paul says in verse 18, The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Like I said, the gospel that, that we preach will never lose its power. The cross triumphs no matter what. We worry too much about losing uh, our freedoms to worship. And it's probably going to come. 
we are losing a lot of freedoms to express our Christian faith. I mean, if, you, if you're paying attention to what's going on, the laws that are being passed, you know, Congress is, is you know, coming up with laws that will, will cause us to defy our ancient beliefs so that we can be accommodating to everybody. The gospel is a gospel that discriminates. Okay? It's offered to everyone, but only the ones that will bow down to the gospel that will understand its power. Jesus is our king. Let me say it again. I said it before. I say it again. You enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king. You are not. I am not. When you enter the kingdom of God, you bow to the king because he is the king in his kingdom. The world is moving away uh, from the gospel. And, and it's very evident. There's so much indignation in our world today. There's so much indignation. You know, you turn on the TV, people are screaming, you know, hey, we need to change the laws. You know, we need to remove uh, this racism. Uh, we need to emphasize social justice. We need to go and, and, and make sure that, that people are in line, that people are not doing anything that is, that is wrong and all of that stuff. Now, I'm not knocking down whatever motives people have when they cry for justice. That's a sermon for another time. But let me tell you something. There are laws being passed today that, is pa that are being passed out of fear and out of anger rather than truth, okay? During this pandemic, there was a point when, when, when laws are, or, 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 or leaders are saying, let's release people, criminals from jail, while at the same time, they're going to penalize people for gathering in their own homes. Where's that coming from? That's a confusion of a magnitude size. Can you imagine? You gather with your family, you can go to jail while the criminals are being let out. What if you have a relative that was let out of jail and then you invite him to your gathering? Well, think about that for a moment. <laughs> That's as confusing as it gets. Now everybody goes to jail. We're mixed up right now, aren't we? We're mixed up. We don't know what to do. There's only one solution. Unless Jesus changes the heart and minds of people, we will be rioting a hundred years from now and crying out for social justice. That's why my prayer is, Lord Jesus, come now. That's right. Because if you don't, I don't know what my children's going to be dealing with in the next 20 years. Because we abandon the good news. The good news is all of these issues can be fixed. And how is it fixed? Through here, down to here. Or to here, down to there. Up to there. Doesn't matter. Unless the mind and the heart is transformed, there's never going to be any kind of truth, understanding of truth. There's only one righteous judge, and that is Jesus. And his righteousness and justice will prevail. Jesus is victorious. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I want to encourage you to have a victorious mindset because Jesus is victorious. The gospel is victorious. It seems like our battle is being lost right now. But believe me, I read the Bible. Jesus wins. He wins. What occupies your mind? You see, I discovered for myself that 
what I focus in my mind determines the temperature of my heart. If your heart is cold towards God, it's because your mind is fixed on something else. Every time I remember a happy moment that happened to me, what does it, what does it do? It makes my heart rejoice. Amen? When I remember my, my mother, my experiences with my relationship with my mother, it gives me a sense of sadness in my heart. Many of you, you remember the first time you fell in love. Those memories affect your heart. The same thing is true. What we center our minds on will determine the temperature of our hearts. The mind centered on the good news of Jesus will always produce in us confidence and courage, knowing that God has completed the work of our salvation through the gospel of the cross of Jesus. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.